What a glorious day of worship today, and I hope that your heart's been moved and stirred. Today we're continuing a series of messages called Discovering the Real Jesus. We've uh, I've asked you to read through with me the book of Mark, the gospel according to Mark. It's very short. You can read through it multiple times over the course of the next several weeks. And every time you read through it, you just find new things. And, and, uh, and so today, I just want to encourage you as we look together to Mark's gospel, chapter number one, we're beginning with verse number nine. Mark's gospel, chapter one, beginning with verse number nine. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And when he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. You are my beloved son. With you, I am well pleased. Amen. The Gospel according to Mark in review, we talked about some of this last week, so I just want to uh, review that for just a moment. The, Bar- the Gospel according to Mark was written from Rome by John Mark. John Mark's mother had a home in Jerusalem. She was a follower of Jesus, and John Mark was probably a follower as a teenager of Jesus. The Gospel was written later in Mark's life from Rome, and uh, it was before the fall of Jerusalem, probably in the late 50s or six, early 60s A.D. John Mark was mentored by Barnabas, but also by Peter. And many consider Mark's gospel to be the, P, the gospel of, from St. Peter, for Peter. It was written for Gentile and Roman audience, and uh, it may have been the first gospel written. We're not certain about that. It was written to tell the Roman world the gospel message and the preaching that, pre- that Peter preached and the message and stories that he told and others are recorded for us from John Mark. It was probably written near the time of Peter's death. As we look at this gospel, there are four questions. It seems like that, that, that John Mark is helping us with. The first is, who is Jesus? The second is, why did he come? The third question, what did he do? And finally, how do I respond to this gospel? It is the good tidings, the good news about Jesus Christ. And notice what he he just makes it really clear from the very beginning. Mark chapter 1, verse 1, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus, Messiah, Christ, the anointed one, the promised king, the son of God. So immediately he's telling us who Jesus is, that he is Messiah, that the Jews all looked forward to coming, and that God prophesied about. He is in the lineage of David. He is the Messiah, but he not only is that, he is the Son of God. He's declared to be God's Son. That's who he is. He's Jesus. 
Yes, he's from Nazareth. Yes, he is the Christ. But more than that, he is the Son of God. And so he is declaring that he's God's Son, but not only the declaration that he's the Son of God, but there's demonstration that indeed he is the Son of God by what he does. Today we want to continue the thought of the idea about him being declared as God's Son. So Jesus comes to John the Baptist, who's baptizing in the Jordan River, just uh, to the uh, east of Jericho. And uh, John the Baptist, who was he? He's a forerunner, a prophet, one who's preparing the way of the Lord, one in the lineage of uh, Elijah. And he came proclaiming repentance, a turning from sin and turning to God and being baptized because of this forgiveness and this repentance in your life. And it, baptism was a picture of a washing away of sin and the beginning of a new life. John is baptizing in the Jordan, and people are coming out from all of Judea and Jerusalem and uh, Galilee and across the Jordan, and they're coming to hear John as he's preaching. And they're obeying God as they're convicted of their sin and being baptized and committing their lives to be, to, uh, be obedient to God. So Jesus comes to John, who's preaching in the wilderness, and he presents himself to be baptized. And John protests. He said, he, he wants to prevent him. He said, I, I have need to be baptized by you, and you come to me. But he, Jesus said, no, I need to be baptized in order to fulfill all righteousness meaning I need to be baptized in obedience to God and I need to be baptized in identification with God's people that I came to redeem. You see, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance for forgiveness of sin. Had Jesus sinned? Why was Jesus baptized if Jesus has never sinned? We know that there was no sin in Christ. Then why would he be baptized? Jesus came to be baptized because he was obedient to the Father. And folks, I want to say to you, if you've refused to be baptized, why? Why would you disobey God in your life? He's called you to obey him, to trust him, to serve him. And Jesus came to be baptized not because of any sin in Jesus, but because of obedience to God. He came also to be baptized because he was identifying with the very people that Jesus came to save. And it was a picture of what Jesus was going to do for all of us, that Jesus would die, that Jesus was buried, and Jesus would rise again. So Jesus goes into the Jordan River with John, and in that muddy stream, that river, Jesus submerges, uh, John submerges Jesus under the water and raises him back up. Christ came for our salvation, and that's what he's saying. I am identifying with the people I came to save. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21, for God made him who knew no sin, Jesus, 
to become sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. And Isaiah, in chapter 53, but he was wounded, Jesus, for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. He identifies with us. He came to dwell among us. And he came to redeem us. All week, we, Isaiah says, like sheep have gone astray. We've all turned, everyone, to his own way. And the Lord has laid upon him, Jesus, the iniquity of us all. You see, Jesus died our death. Jesus suffered God's wrath for us. And Jesus paid our debt that we owe. And Jesus' baptism was obedience to God, identification with men, and a picture of what Christ came to do. He came to die for us and to be raised up so that we might be raised out of death unto life. Hallelujah. What a Savior we have. And in that Jordan River, into the water, submerged at the hands of John the Baptist, what happens immediately? Immediately the heavens are rent, they're torn, and the Spirit descends like a dove lighting on Christ. And a voice out of heaven, you are my beloved Son with whom I'm well pleased. The Father is so proud, and he wants everyone to know, that's my Son. The Spirit descends. You see the Trinity. You see the Son, you see the Spirit, and you hear the voice of the Father. Hmm. Did you notice the parents today were a little bit proud of these children that were on the platform? On the video, thanking God for the gift And I looked out, there were some pretty proud grandparents in this audience today, and friends and family. I love my children so much, and I thank God for them. I love my grandchildren so much. Brag about them. I'll bore you with pictures if you let me. When I was a little boy, I remember my dad, the way he treated me and loved me. In the presence of adults, it was something I appreciate now more than then, but I appreciate it then in a great way. And we might be, my dad might be at a meeting, he was a pastor, he was a school teacher, he was a principal, he was well known among a lot of adults, of course, and if I was accompanying him, he would always say to the adults, have you met my son? And my dad taught me to put up my hand, shake their hand, and so they would acknowledge me, and he says, this is my boy. This is my son. And it made me feel so loved, made me feel blessed. Whenever Jesus was baptized, heaven couldn't be silent. When Jesus was born, there was a star that appeared in the east and bringing wise men and kings to where the child was. And when to the night that Jesus was born, angels left heaven to make the birth announcement that God has been born among us 
and Christ is born in Bethlehem. And at 30 years old when he's baptized, heaven breaks out and says, this is my son. Who is Jesus? He is the son of God. Not only declared by Mark, not only declared by Peter and the apostles, but declared by the very voice of God himself. He's also declared to be God by other sources as well. In the fifth chapter of Mark, we find that Jesus is coming over in a boat with his disciples to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. He's exhausted from ministry in different places. But when they arrive on the shore of the Gerasenes, immediately there's this man comes running up to Jesus. He was disturbed. He lived out in the cemetery among the tombs. He was a man who was possessed by many demons. They had tried to deal with him in town, counsel him in town. He was plagued by demon occupation of his life. He was tormented. They would tie him up and, 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 and he would break the ties. They chained him and he would break the chains. They shackled him. But he twisted and broke the shackles with unbelievable strength. He would cut his body and, and hurt himself and lived among the dead. And when Jesus landed, this man on the shore, this man started running out of the cemetery toward Christ. And as he approached him, he says, What do you have to do with me, Jesus? Now listen. Son of the Most High. This man says, I know who you are. You are the Son of God. Wow. Even the demons are saying that Jesus is the Son of God. He's declared to be the Son of God. He says, do not torment me. And Jesus said, what is your name? And he said, my name is Legion, because there are many of us. And then he said, please, don't torment me. Why don't you allow us to go into the swine? And so the evil spirits go into the swine, and 2,000 pigs drown themselves in the sea. The man is set free from this demon and when the villagers come out and they see this man, he's sitting clothed in his right mind and he's learning at the feet of Jesus. And the man's testimony is this. This man set me free. Amen? Amen. What great thing God has done for us. Oh, I could tell you story after story of men and women and boys and girls whose lives were racked by sin, and who were held captive. But Jesus has set them free. Amen. Give them a life and a hope. I'll never forget one day, when I was in my very first pastorate as a young man, I was just finishing college, and I went to go visit a woman by the name of Emma, and Emma was, hadn't been in church for several weeks. She was depressed. She was immobilized. She said I couldn't, she, she was filled with fear. She was so depressed she wouldn't talk. All of her family was worried, sick about her. Her, her uncle had asked me to go and visit with him. And so I took along another college student with me named Steve. 
And so we sat in that room. She wouldn't talk. She was in a recliner. She was so depressed. Her husband said she's hearing all of these things in her mind, and she's filled with all of these fears, and she's so despondent, I can't get her to respond. And I said, well, we're just going to start praying over her. And we started praying. And uh, Ed, uh, this older gentleman from church, a trustee in the church, started praying. And, and then Steve prayed, and then I prayed. And, and I was in the middle of praying, and all of a sudden I was praying about Jesus and what he did for us and the blood of Jesus Christ and how he died to set us free and that no power can hold you captive. And all of a sudden, that she jumped out of that recliner and went into a whoop. And she said, I'm free, I'm free, I'm free. Thank God I'm free. I will never be the same. God has set me free. Well, old Ed, he raised up his head. His eyes were big as saucers. She was so excited. Uh, you know what? The next week she was in church. She came forward. She said, Jesus Christ has changed my life. I will not be held captive to fears and phobias and depression again. She was baptized. I saw her about 10 years later. They'd invited me to come back to the church, and I slipped in on a Sunday afternoon for a special service. And I sat there, and I didn't recognize her, and she turned around. She said, Brother Tim. I said, yes. She said, I'm still free. I said, that's awesome. That's what Jesus would do. Set you free. You know, The man said to Jesus, after he was set free, I'd like to go with you and follow you. And he said, no. He said, what I want you to do is stay here and tell everyone what the Lord has done for you. The word for God. The Lord has done for you. And he went everywhere and told them what Jesus had done for him. What is he saying? Mark is saying that this man knew that Jesus was the Lord. Amen? Declared to be the Son of God. But also there's the voice of Jesus himself. In Mark's gospel, chapter number six, we have an episode in the life of Jesus. He and his disciples are exhausted in ministry. And uh, he sends them on ahead of him and tells them to get into a boat and go to the other side of the sea. And he went up on a mountain to pray. And as he looked out over the sea, the disciples were straining at the oars because they were caught up in a wind and a storm that was against them. And Jesus, as Mark describes the story, began to walk on top of the sea. Let me ask you a question. Who can walk on top of the sea? Only God. Only God could do that. And he indeed is God on the flesh. And he starts to pass them by. It's kind of hearkening back to some Old Testament ideas about as God passes by and you see him in his strength and his holiness. But in anyway, they think it's a ghost. Wouldn't you be scared out of your gourd? In the middle of the night on a storm-tossed sea? What time was it? It was the fourth watch. It's somewhere between 3 a.m. and 5 a.m. He's out there walking on the sea. And they think it's a ghost and they cry out. I'm not sure where they cried out. But they cried out, and he said, take heart. It's me. It is I. Do not be afraid. The word that he uses there, he says, take heart. And then he says, don't be afraid. 
And then he says, I am. You could translate it, it is I. But he just simply says, I am. And that's the name of, of God in the Old Testament, the name Yahweh. Remember when Moses said, and who do, shall I? Well, they'll ask what your name is and who you are. He said, I am who I am. And Jesus confesses right there on the sea with his disciples. I am. He's declaring he is God in the flesh. He made the wind and the waves and the sea and all that's in the world. And he's in control. You be of good courage and don't be afraid. Amen? Amen. I don't know what storm's blowing in your life, but when you have Jesus Christ in your life, you can have peace with God. Amen? Amen. And not only that, there's the voice of Peter and, his, and the disciples. Jesus takes them in Mark's Gospel, chapter 8. They go to a retreat area north at the base of Mount Hermon is a place, a beautiful place called Caesarea Philippi. And in this place where there's lots of worship, many different kinds of gods, Jesus asked this question, who do men say that I am? And they responded, they say that you're one of the prophets or John the Baptist come back from the dead. But Jesus asked, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. That's who you are. And he declares him to be the son of God. And Jesus said, blessed are you, Simon, because you're smarter than all the others and you got it first. That's not what he says. He said, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my father who is in heaven. I'm telling you, your name is Peter, meaning rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. He said, Peter, we're going to change the world by people who confess that I am the Son of God. Jesus is no ordinary man. He is not. He's not just a teacher. He's not just another rabbi. He's not just another way to God. There's only one way, and it's through God's Son, Jesus Christ. The only way to know who he really is is to hear and believe the gospel, and it's a movement. It's a work of the Holy Spirit of God. You you didn't earn your way or work your way to heaven. It was grace, God's grace. It led you to Jesus. But there's one more declaration in Mark's gospel where he's declared to be the Son of God. Mark begins his gospel in the very first line and he ends his gospel with this story. There was a man who was a centurion. His responsibility was to watch the ranks in order 
a hundred men under him. Jesus is sentenced to be crucified. He's there during the scourging. He takes delivery of Jesus. They're mocking him all the way. Soldiers mark, mocking him as a king. Others mocking him as a savior. Others mocking him as a prophet. They take him outside of the city to a place called Golgotha, Golgotha a skull, Calvary. And they there throw him down on the ground on top of a Roman cross. And he's nailed to a beam of wood, driving nails in his hands and his feet. They strip him of his garments. They cast dice and lots for his robe. And they're mocking him. The crowd's mocking him. Thieves mocking him. He overhears and hears his conversation to one of the thieves that sort of turns toward him. He hears Jesus pray, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And he witnesses darkness. From 12 o'clock p.m. to 3 p.m. over the land. And he hears Jesus cry out with a loud voice. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He sees in his face the thirst and the hungry. The parched tongue he asks for a drink. And they give him some wine on a sponge, on a stick. And then he cries out. Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. With a loud voice he cries out, It is finished! And he gave up the ghost. He surrendered. He died willingly for us. And the earth shook. The temple rocked. The veil was torn from the top the bottom and the centurion mark said was facing him and he saw how he died and breathed his last and i think he looked at that sign above his head and he looked at this man who just died and he said truly this man is the son of god Mark begins and ends his gospel with the same confession. Jesus, Christ, the Son of God. Who is he to you? What is your confession of him? Have you confessed him to be your Savior, Lord, Master, the King? Is he personal, Lord and Savior? Have you confessed him as Messiah? As king, have you confessed him as the son of God? And is, your, is he your personal Lord and Savior? But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become the children of God, even to those who believe in his name. There's only one way to God, and it's through the Son of God, Jesus Christ. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Jesus himself said, I and I alone am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. John 4, 1 John 4. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. And whoever confesses, listen, 
Listen, Jesus is the Son of God. God abides in him, and he in God. Who is Jesus to you? Mark declares, he is the Son of God. Father in heaven, thank you for your word. It's powerful, it's true. I pray that today, there's somebody here that doesn't know Christ as Savior, that they would come to trust him, put their faith in him as their personal Savior and the Son of God. In Jesus' name, amen.